All right, good morning, church. If God has been faithful in your life this week, let it be known by an amen. Amen. All right, and if God's been faithful, then he is certainly worthy of our worship. Would you worship with us this morning? Come thou fount.
we thank you so much for that, for being who you are, for being God, for being our God, for being our Savior, and Lord, for taking our place on the cross. God, we pray that our worship this morning was acceptable in your ears, God, and that you found um, pleasure out of hearing your people sing back your praises to you. Would you be with Pastor Scott as he opens your word this morning? God, give us ears to hear. In Christ's name, amen. You may be seated. very grateful this morning for a praise team. I don't probably say this enough to them that um, around our nation this morning, there's a lot of other churches that are having concerts this morning. We're here to praise and worship. There's a big difference. There's a big difference in the two. Now, we want to do things with excellence, absolutely, but I appreciate the heart behind your praise team. They have had busy weeks. They've had, you wouldn't believe what goes on behind the scenes. Uh, in people's lives, including yours, this week. This, to even in the last two days, I had a lot of texts of people saying they wouldn't be here this morning with different things going on. So um, be, be mindful to be praying for each other this morning. But we're grateful for a praise team that puts, puts the effort and the spirit behind what they do. Thank you, uh, one and all, for leading us in that direction. We want to take a moment and welcome those by way of Facebook that are watching this morning. Um, several, uh, Amy and Jim and Mike Thompson, I see Samantha's playing hooky today. Um, uh, Shannon McKay, who else? Julie's watching. So a lot of people are watching online this morning. Um, and we're grateful for um, the ability to be able to, to communicate like this. By the way, Great looking crowd this morning. With all the texts I was getting, I was thought it would be a little less in attendance, but it's good to see everybody uh, here this morning. <clears throat> Last week, I had mentioned something on purpose. I wanted to at least recognize. You know, there's cultural things that happen that are uncomfortable to talk about. Other people want to run, that's all they do is talk about cultural things. A church can be too quiet for too long sometimes, amen? You can't turn your head and hide. A church can be too vocal on cultural issues as well, and then you lose the focus of why we're even here. We're here to promote and to hear from the God of the Bible through His Son, Jesus Christ. So last week, I, we wanted to at least recognize what was going on in our nation by way of tensions. There's a lot of tensions. You may be thinking, pick which one, Pastor? There's about eight of them cooking right now. Not the political tension. Not talking about the financial tension. I'm talking about our relationship tension that we have in our country. This is a, a message that I first prepared and preached in 2014. Um, many of you can't remember last month, so I'm not worrying about you remembering the message. But it's very timely, and as I started, as I was thinking about this two weeks ago, I pulled this out because it's a reminder for us that all that matters is God's perspective. God has designed our earth. God has designed people. God has designed, ready for this, 
science. Believe the science. Believe the science. Believe the science. The problem is, from mankind's perspective, science changes sometimes. Data changes sometimes. But with God, he's immutable. That's in Hebrews. He is immutable. It doesn't change. He doesn't change. In fact, I put science to the test this morning. Um, Serenity and Trinity, I, I have a joke with them when I, they're here early because of praise band practice and they're in there and they're dancing to one of the songs. I said, no dancing, no dancing allowed. And they would dance even more because everybody listens to pastor. And I gave Trinity a challenge in one of the songs. It said, freeze. I said, all right, you have to jump up and down and then you're supposed to freeze. I said, I want you to freeze right in the middle of your jump. And that song came on and freeze. She couldn't stay airborne. I said, you have to ask uh, Papa Rick on the science behind why that is. You can't stay airborne. There's some parts of science that God has created that doesn't change. Um, but more importantly, we want our eyes fixed on him. We want to see things through his lens. His beautiful lens. His colorful lens. As we try to navigate our way through this world. One of the worst things anyone can do, any believer can do, is ignore a situation or a hot topic issue when the Bible's clear on it. Eventually, probably toward the end, I'll talk about injustices. I'm going to talk about our society, our culture, from the Bible this morning. And I'm going to try to stay away from a couple words. Because they're hot-button words. And these words, I can say a word, and it'll automatically cause you to go to your mindset. And that's dogmatic in your thinking. We want God's perspective. I want to talk about... Well, in fact, the title of the message is The Race is On. The Race is On. I want to talk about, first of all, skin color. Now, you've, again, you've heard this before, and then we want to talk about where did it come from. We're going to talk about where are we at, and then I want to talk about where we're headed, all from the Bible. You know, people will ask, how many races are there in our world today? You may hit the Google. Check the Google on that one. But when we check the Bible on that one, we're going to find that there's only one race, the human race. I absolutely love, this is me personally speaking. I try not to share my personal opinion up here much. We want God's word. But just personally speaking, I absolutely love cultures and differences and, 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 and where they're from. And, and usually when somebody comes here from a different culture or a different country, I'll ask, what's your currency? What? I want to know all those things that make that country tick. And I learn a lot. Terminology is my favorite one. Do you remember Nine By when he was here? He's from Chad, Africa. He would do something that, that totally threw me off. I'm talking to him, and all of a sudden he would go, I ain't never heard that before. Finally, I had to ask him. I'm like, man, what? you got something in your throat? What's that about? Thing. He said, oh, no, it's in, in our culture, that's agreement. That was agreement. I said, well, you sound like you're going to a, a feed trough or something. I don't know what we're doing here. He's in agreement with me. 
is what I learned from that. The major factor most people use for the basis of certain attitudes can be skin color. The truth is we all have the same skin color. Is that what do you mean, pastors? What we see on the outside of our bodies is 12 genes and how they interact with pigmentation and melanin. Just to recap, who created everything? Including pigmentation? Yes. God created science. Shade of skin is an external matter and has very little bearing on what, what truly makes a person. The main differences between people groups are cultural, not genetics. The main differences. Humans may have different degree of pigmentation, distinct physical traits, different cultural habits, but the same genetic code. If a human gets cut, we all bleed red. We're essentially the same. Now I'm going to give an illustration here, then we're going to open God's word on several different portions of scripture. By the way, the Bible, um, if, you, if, you, if you approach the Bible with your lens, you can see it being segregated. But if you approach it with God's lens, you're going to see it as a technicolor explosion. you can see something beautiful. But I want you to watch for a moment. I've used different illustrations in the past for this, but I want you to think about this. Even in people groups, if it got down just to the simple skin color... There wouldn't be certain countries against countries on the continent of Africa because they have the same skin color. Why would they be fighting? There's certain in the um, um, Hispanic cultures, certain countries don't like other countries. Why? They speak the same language. They have the same tone. It's cultural. I'm convinced. I think you are convinced that racism has to be taught. You ever seen children playing? They don't get lost in skin color or all those things. It's, it, it's, a, it's a cultural issue. Of course, that's all over the map. We have people in this room that are from different parts of the world. Ask them about cultural differences. Even our own civil war. It was sometimes families were fighting families. But why? We're the same skin color. It's a cultural issue. We see it in the animal world as well. You ever watch animal documentaries or, and all those things? Those are fascinating to watch. Um, I, I, one was there's usually an alpha male in every either pride or if it's a it's a gorilla family there's an alpha male and one tries to come in and all of a sudden if someone from, from another uh, uh, pride or something tries to come in what happens they start there's a fight on why is the fight on they look the same everything's the same what's the difference it's cultural even in the animal world unfortunately 
Evolutionary teachings promote the idea that people are divided into advanced and primitive races. That's what evolution teaches. It's not what Bible teaches. That's not what church, Bible-believing church teaches. The more primitive or lower race are supposedly closer to the related um, uh, ape-like ancestors. Advanced are said to be superior. That's what evolution teaches. That's not what Cross Point Baptist, Baptist Church teaches. Biblically, there's one race of people, the human race. Now, the Bible mentions peoples, tribes, tongues, nations, but never races. Isn't that interesting? Turn with me to Acts chapter 17. Acts chapter 17 and verse 26. This should also be a reminder. Carl Kirby has been here numerous times. This is um, from his material as well. So this would be several times that we've heard this portion of Scripture or this topic, and yet here it is front and center in our lives once again. Acts chapter 17, verse 26. Paul was speaking here. He's addressing the people at Areopagus. And he says... And he has made from one blood. Everybody say one blood. Every nation of men to dwell on all the face of the earth and has determined their pre-appointed times and boundaries and the boundaries of their dwellings. Here, Paul, on a public but unofficial trial, is addressing all types of people, all groups, Greeks, Jews, Gentiles, educated laborers, and even slaves. He's addressing this melting pot of people. Paul had just crossed a line. He just crossed that line. And that's what truth does. He spoke a truth to the people that didn't want to hear it. And he made from one blood every nation of men to dwell. From one blood. That went against everything that certain people, the, the advanced, the people of Areopagus, the Stoic. That offended the Greeks who were, had all the wisdom. That offended the religious, the, the, the nation of Israel, the Jews that are mentioned there. He offended everybody with one line, and it's a truthful line. All men are created and women are created in the eyes of God since all come from one blood, Adam. And by the way, if God didn't view all people as equal, then John 3, 16 would be a lie. For God so loved the... That's where we get our Greek word for ethnic, different people. Can't even say the word right. Then that wouldn't be true if we all didn't come from one. Jesus wouldn't have died for the world, but for the privileged. Acts 17, 26, it really rocks those that were in attendance. Why? They were differently segregated. They were segregated. 
All the people are descendants of one man, one woman from Adam and Eve. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Then we'll go back to Genesis. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. Paul's writing to this very diverse area known as Corinth. It's a peninsula, if you will. It's a seaport. Within the seaport area, you get all kinds of cross cultures. Cross cultures. I was just talking to a friend the other day, and they, we're, Carla and I, we're not big out-to-eaters and all that stuff. He, he loves it. He loves going to different places, trying different food. He served in the military, so he's ate things that I've never even heard of. And uh, he still does today. He tries to go to different areas because he loved it that much. But he was a, a military person. He traveled a lot. And when you travel a lot, you, dip, you, you see the cross you just cross people groups. First Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45, it says, And so it is written, the first man, Adam, being a, became a living being, and the last, Adam, became a life-giving spirit. So Paul is reminding these people at this seaport that human beings... The first uh, man, Adam, became a living being. He's, he's making a connection that creation is right there, and that's the basis for everything else that goes on. Of course, the last part, he's talking about Christ being the second or the last Adam. But that's, we'll say that. But there Paul is recognizing for the second time, Genesis is mentioned, now he's reminded them in Corinth. Now let's go to Genesis chapter 2 and verse 18. Chapter 2, verse 18. Chapter 2, verse 18. And the Lord God said, It is not good that man should be alone. I will make him a helper comparable to him. Speaking of woman, God, woman was created, we know from the Adam, from the rib of Adam. And there we see that the first Adam was created, there's Eve on the spot. These are all people descended, descended from one man and one woman, Adam and Eve. You know this, you've heard this, you need to be reminded of this. We have a God that is a creator. Not, not, a, not a science experiment that exploded and let's watch what happens. He created. He made something out of nothing. And by the way, science always takes a, a something first to make something else. Science has to have something to begin with. They have to start with something. Where did that something come from? God says, I created from nothing. Now, the, the atheist may ask, well, then... So where did your God come from? I don't have to explain that. He just is. I don't have to explain that. Look in chapter 3, verse 20 of Genesis, just a page over in your Bible. Genesis chapter 3, verse 20. And Adam called his wife's name Eve because she was the mother of the living. All of humanity is related made in the image of God. If we follow the biblical perspective, it would lessen prejudice toward our fellow man, toward our fellow peers. Let me shake that tree again. 
if we follow the biblical perspective, it would lessen prejudice toward each other. Well, I don't think that's a problem at Cross Point Baptist Church. That was just the groundwork for what we needed to be reminded of. And for those that may be watching on Facebook that have never really heard this or considered this, or maybe over the last year are living in a confused world themselves, I'm going to talk about now where we're at. Where we're at. Actually, I shouldn't title it that way, where we're at, because you never end a sentence in a preposition. Am I right? Thank you, teachers. Where are we? Maybe be a better way of. I'm not going to go into Deuteronomy chapter 7. I did in the past. Deuteronomy chapter 7 is where God is telling Israel not to intermarry with these other cultures, nations. And here's why. Because pagan cultures brings pagan gods. That's why. Pagan cultures bring pagan gods. It had nothing to do with skin color. Uh, by the way, Solomon is most noted for going against that one. You know, the wisest man. But the best example that we have is in John chapter 4. If you'll turn there with me, I'm not going to verse by verse because we kind of just did. Uh, as we're working through the book of John on Wednesday nights, we didn't this Wednesday, but um, we typically are working through the book of John. I, this was one of my favorite um, chapters that we went through. We really slow walked it because um, it was so, uh, because God, Jesus was, he, he was saying that he and the Father are one. He was verifying his deity. But what was interesting is the people that he chose to be around. Now, he had his 12. He had masses. But here's an example where he had needs. John chapter 4, verse 4. But he had needs to go through Samaria. He purposely went to a place of a people group, of a culture that wanted nothing to do with him, and his culture typically didn't want anything to do with him. They were invaders. They weren't even supposed to be in that land, according to Israel and Samaria. The Samaritans were like, well, where are we going to go? We got nowhere to go. They had squatter's rights, if you will, in that part of the land. And as we worked through John chapter 4, you know what is amazing? Is verse 9. It's the woman at the well. And then the woman of Samaria said to him, How is it that you, being a Jew, ask a drink from me, a Samaritan woman, for Jews have no dealings with Samaritans? What stands out there? She knew there was a social difference, even a prejudice. She knew it. These two people groups just weren't crazy about each other. Samaria was a mixed culture. And you've heard me explain this several times, what that little area of land would have been like. A little area of land with so much turmoil, confusion, and just divisiveness. But Jesus, being a Jew, said, what in verse 4? But, I, but he needed to go through Samaria. 
he needed to go there. He offered salvation to a people that didn't like him. If you'll read the rest of that chapter, you'll see that. Chapter 9, verse through 26. Look with me to verse 27. This is Jesus and his 12, his boys. They're with him, and they're doing his bidding, and they're going ahead of him, and they're getting things prepared, and they had went away, and then he, they had come back. And look at what they say when they come back. They, they, you would think they would go, they're looking at him going, oh, isn't this great? He's got a dialogue, a great conversation going with somebody. Instead, they do this in verse 27. And at this point, his disciples came. They marveled that he talked with this woman. Let's pause there for a minute. They're in shock. They marveled. Why? Well, knowing that she got water at that time of day could have been her occupation. Maybe that's it. But most likely it's because she was a Samaritan. She looked different, talked different. We, they have a different belief system. They have a, everything's wrong about them. Yet no one said, why do you, what do you seek or why are you talking with her? I love that, man. We were just, uh, who was I talking to the, uh, this week? We were talking about the disciples. I can't remember who it was now. How that on sometimes they get a bad deal and sometimes they get a that a boy. You know, and, but, but you know what I see a lot of in the disciples a lot, the more I, I read through the New Testament, the Gospels, they're kind of cowards. They, they think a lot of things and, and they're uncertain so they don't say or do. But then we see them, when they come to maturity, they're very bold. So if you're timid today and, and you're unstable in your walk with him, keep walking. Keep putting the next step in front of the other. You don't know. It's the journey that's going to be the blessing to your maturity. You can't just automatically be mature. There's a process that happens. It's called life, by the way. It's called the Holy Spirit, working out sanctification in your life. Keep taking the next step of faith in your walk with him. The worst thing you can do is spiritually sit on the couch and check out. You're never going to reach that destination. What is the destination? To be in the image of him. Amen. And by the way, he has that not only path laid out, he has the end goal in mind. You ain't going to reach it on the couch, spiritually speaking. Physically speaking, you ain't going to reach it on the couch. His disciples, they struggled with this. The Bible's a real book. Now, we could go to the end. We could go to um, Revelation and see some things that are going to happen that can get you excited. But I want to make sure that we address something clear right now. And it's this. Where we are headed or where we are going. I can't speak for the world, but I can for Cross Point Baptist Church. We want to be headed in the direction of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want to be headed in the direction of truth. And we want to be headed in the direction of justice. Victims of racism, prejudice, and discrimination need to forgive. I'm talking to two groups of people right now. Victims of racism and those who practice racism. The victims need to forgive 
Those who practice need to repent. Flip Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32. Ephesians 4, 32. Victims of racism. I think in a very small, minute part, we've all maybe been a victim to some degree. Or maybe in your life it's been a big part. I don't know. But as a believer, speaking to the believer now, and you're a victim of this, we need to learn how to forgive. If you've been offended, and I'll again want to use these words sparingly, racists may not deserve your forgiveness, but we don't deserve Christ. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 32, be kind to one another. Be tender-hearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. There's really not a lot to add there. The Bible's pretty clear, isn't it? Those who practice these things in our heart may not even realize we are. We need to see it and learn to repent. Romans chapter 6, verse 13. I'll have Spencer put that on the screen so we can read it together. Romans chapter 6 and verse 13. When it reads, do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin. Many of us can harbor sin in our, high, in our, in our heart and not even realize it. We can be in a place and we can use a term that, that will reveal something out of our mouth that was in our heart. Do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, to disobeying God. But present yourselves to God as being alive from the dead and the members of instruments as righteousness to God, to right living to God. Our words and our actions reflect our God. There is another test that we could take <clears throat> if we wanted to. In fact, if we read 1 John chapter 2, you'll see that test. Let's take the test. Turn with me to 1 John chapter 2. And then we want to talk about the injustices and what to do in our culture as a believer. 1 John chapter 2. Jesus commands the believer to love one another. That's stapled all throughout the Bible. John chapter 13, verse 34 and 35 tells us that. The same John that wrote the Gospel of John wrote these letters, the, these epistles, these postcards, if you will. And here is a test to know whether you know him or not. Do you know Christ today? Let it be known by an amen. amen. Let's see. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. This is a test not for me to reveal, but for you to take and reveal to your own heart. Now by this we know that we know him. Here it is. Here's the test. If we keep his commandments. Oh, by the way, what was one of his commandments? To love one another. 
It's also to love your neighbor. Who's my neighbor? Somebody asked that question in the book of Luke. Who's, who is my neighbor? And they got the answer. They got the answer through a parable. They got the answer through a parable known as the Good Samaritan. Here's the test. If we keep his commandments, the commandment to love. He who says, I know him in verse 4 and does not keep his commandments is a liar and the truth is not in him. Keep his word shows you know him. Verse 4 is just pretty plain. I love when the Bible's plain. It makes my job a whole lot easier. Not that you're going to be perfect all the time, but if your lifestyle isn't consistent with the word, that's an indicator. Remember how I said our language our mouths indicate what's going on in our heart, which ultimately, as a believer, are a reflection of Christ. Or not. Verse 5 is the flip side. But whoever keeps his word, truly the love of God is perfected in him. By this we know that we are in him. Verse 5 is the flip side of what verse 4 was saying. Verse 6 reaffirms the command to love. He who says he abides in him ought himself also to walk just as he walked. Well, how did he walk? How did he walk? He didn't walk avoiding certain people. He didn't walk staying in his bubble. He walked in love. Verse 7, John is saying this is nothing new. Remember the other things I wrote? Look, look at verse 7. Brethren, speaking to believers, I write no new commandment to you, but an old commandment which you have had from the beginning. This is going way back. The old commandment is the word which you heard from the beginning. John 13, 34 comes to mind. How does it all measure up in real life? And this is, this is the apex of what we want to do this morning, is in verse 9. He she who says they are in the light and hates his brother is in darkness until now. That word hate. The language here for the word hate is a continual lifestyle of hate. That's what we call racism today. The problem is, in our culture today, that word Racist and racism has been kind of manipulated quite a bit. But yet, it doesn't mean it's any less true. It's true. I've heard with my own ears somebody say, well, that, that's a racist comment you just made there. I didn't hear that at all. I've been in Circles with people that have said things that was very offensive and they wouldn't even nobody would draw attention to it. We have to guard our own hearts. We have to walk in this world very circumspectly is how the Bible puts it. Very carefully. By the way, verse 10 is the flip side. He who loves his brother abides in the light and there is no cause for stumbling in him. Verse 11 sums up the hatred, but he who hates his brother is in darkness and walks in darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. Sums up deep hatred. 
If you need an example of brother, again, look to Luke chapter 10. Victims of racism, prejudice, discrimination, they need to forgive. That's a hard pill to swallow right there. And those who practice these things need to repent. Hopefully in your mind right now, you didn't automatically go to stereotypes of people. You know what I found about this discrimination? It crosses all boundaries. It crosses all kinds of boundaries. What we need to remember is Galatians chapter 3. The last scripture I want us to look at is Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. Galatians 3, 28 says, There is neither Jew nor Greek, differentiating. There is neither slave nor free, differentiating. There is neither male nor female, differentiating. For you are all one unifying in Christ. You may look different, talk different, sound different have a different background. But to the believer, we are all one in Christ. There are many Bible-believing churches in our country today. I don't know how many. I said Bible-believing on purpose. There's a lot of churches, but I don't know how many of them are right here. I, I, I don't know that I can know that. But I can speak for our church. So now I want to address the hot-button issue of our culture right now, of justice. As a believer, how do we navigate? We're seeing things on our TV and through our devices that are telling narratives, they're telling stories, and who's right and who's wrong, and, and, and how it all works. And here we are trying to navigate through this. Want what God wants. Want what God wants. You know, as messed up as we may look and view our country as it is, I do believe you have an avenue known as our court systems. We have a place to go with grievances. But what happens when the grievances are wrong? We go to a higher court. We go to our Lord. I've watched a story of a guy who was incarcerated, and he was innocent. He had his day in court and lost. He was still jailed. You've heard these stories, right? And he was let out years later. Now, most of them get out with a little edge, a little attitude. But this one guy, he came out with the gentle spirit. He came out with the gentle spirit. And I'm going, I got to watch this one. If that's me. Now, God, me and you are tight, right? <laughs> but, man, that, that is a struggle right there. And even though an injustice had occurred, he said, I knew that God would right the wrong. Oh, my goodness. How are you not at least salty, if not angry, if not bitter? Your years of his life were rate wasted in a state prison. And he came out not bitter. He came out with that spirit. See how important it is? that we rely on our highest power. There's something way more powerful than what we have 
going on in our world right now. We must always lean heavily, rely heavenly by faith on our creator that created the one race. So as you navigate through all this, do your best to keep your eyes fixed upon him. God, how do you see this? And like I said last week, I do believe that when God looks down and he sees all these either, you know, protests and injustices and this and that and all this going on, you know what I think he sees with a broken heart? I think he sees sin all over the place. If there's an injustice, it's because somebody's sinning. Somebody sinned somewhere down the line. There's, there's no way around that. And the Bible also tells us to pray for one another. It tells us to pray for our governments and those in authority. The Bible tells us to pray a lot. So let's not get weary in well-doing. Well, the hope for today is this. And it's there in verse 28 as it ended. For you are all one in Christ. We're one in Christ. Let this be a strengthening and encouraging today, not a conviction. If it's a conviction for you, make it right. You have the availability and accessibility to God through Jesus Christ to make it right. But you've got to search your own heart. I think it's great for us sometimes to be in places that put us over our heads. An example would be when I was in California. We were at a pastor's conference, and I went into the Hispanic area. I was the only white guy as far as you could see. And it was a little intimidating. It was, I didn't know the language. I know hola. That's all I got. I was relying on Juan to order everything. Many of you in this room have been in cultures that placed you, you were the minority. Keith Starks has been to Thailand. You see things that it can be intimidating. Many of you have been in the military. You've traveled to different cultures and seen things. And yet, the Bible says we are all one, come from one, and for the believer, we're one in Christ. So we get to celebrate our cultures, not let them be divisive. I do believe, I want to end on this note, that our country, known as America, you still are in the best place to be able to express your faith. You're in the best country to express your faith. You still have that avail availability and freedom to do so. I, I encourage you to do it. I encourage you to do just that. But be united tonight, knowing, or today, that, knowing that we're one in Christ. Let's celebrate that fact. Let's bow for prayer. Dear Lord, we come before you tonight, this morning, asking that your hand would be very real and close to our hearts as we think about ourselves and we think about how to reach out. I pray that we be very careful with who we align ourselves with because we need to first and foremost be aligned with you. So Lord, as we watch our country we understand the call of prayer, praying for so many people, so many reasons, so many ways, so many things. Pray without ceasing. And we can get weary in praying. But Lord, justice. 
we come to you. You're higher than any court. You are God. You are everything. Have us to have the right mindset that would want to unite and not divide. And as we conclude this morning, I pray that you would have been honored through the teaching of your word. It's plain and it's simple. It's not complicated. It's really not. We make it complicated. Help us as believers to stay focused upon the untangle our heart. And please reveal it. Clean it out that it would be on display and reflect you well. Lift this prayer in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. Well, um, I would... I don't know if it was on before, but you're going to see some uh, announcements scrolling that of uh, dates uh, that relate to um, uh, our ministries up and coming. Uh, some will be here before you know it. I didn't even realize that Mother's Day was next week. Wow, that crept up here very, very quickly. So um, we are, um, the, you know, you'll see them scrolling as you're going through. You see that New Life, uh, our teens are meeting uh, May 7th. That's next week. Um, at uh, Zach and Maddie's house, um, uh, May, is that a, that's a Saturday or Friday? Friday on Friday, Awana. Oh, by the way, tonight there is or next week. Next week, Mother's Day. There's no Awana for Mother's Day, right after the AM service. You need to spend your time with your mother, family, if you have the availability to do so. Awana Awards, May 23rd. Um, Lord's Supper, June 6th. Steadfast and Faithful Life will be having our LifePoint Bible Study Group slash Sunday School at 9.15 a.m. on Sunday mornings for the month of June. All right? For the month of June, Steadfast, Roger's class, Faithful Life, my class, will be meeting at 9.15 on Sunday mornings for the month of June. We are having a church-wide picnic June 13th. And then... We have some camps and vacation Bible school coming up. So as you see these dates, they're on our website. Uh, they'll be scrolling up here. You'll want to write them down. Make sure you plan. Uh, we are doing our best to um, be faithful and diligent, but at the same time, we've got to be ministering to each other. So let today be a blessed day. We're getting ready to be dismissed and uh, be in prayer. The trustees, we have a meeting right after church regarding our parking lot. I don't know if you've seen it, but we have some uh, man-eating man potholes out there that we want to try to take care of, and we have a plan for that even today. So uh, hopefully you've been blessed to be in God's house today. We'll see you back tonight for Awana at 4 o'clock. We love you. You are dismissed.